morning, church. I love Sunday morning. I hear you guys. You guys decided to get in church in the morning, get your coffee, and just settle in and just find out what God's got in store for you today. So we got some uh, exciting stuff today. We got a little, got a baptism going on. Got the King family here in the house. Welcome. <laughs> you know, I, I watch that five-minute countdown. I always think I have no time to get up here and I get ready. You know, I think, wow, that's, but it's a long time. I'm just thinking, wow, you know, I, if I gave five minutes to God every day, that seems like a long time. But, man, it's all you got to do is just give that five minutes to God and just have that conversation. Pretty simple, right? It's five minutes. That's all it takes. You guys just stand up. Let's worship God with us today. Has anybody got any praises today? Praise God every day for us. Let's go.
in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise, you will carry me. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise, you will carry me safe to shore.
welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcomed in this place. Lord God, we just uh, welcome you right now into this place and just ask that you move in a powerful way. We've all had different weeks, some good, some bad, some just there. And God, you brought us back to this place where we can focus and worship on you. So God, at this time, right now, we're just going to ask that everyone just uh, go ahead and, and have a seat. And just uh, we, as we have a time to just really celebrate this infant baptism. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here you go, Devin. And, um, and then I'm also going to ask, how you doing? Who's this guy? A nice tie on here. Um, some of you have been around, how many of you been around long enough to remember when Scott played drums with us? Anybody? Okay. So, so you're the old guard, right? Okay. Um, so uh, good to be here today. Today we are going to celebrate an infant baptism today for little Gavin here, right? He's got his tie on. He's all set. He hates it already, so he's, he's managed to run out. So what I'm going to do is ask if um, Becky and the family will come up, whoever you want to have up here with you. Please come up, Bec- Becky, if you'll stand here. You, you can join me over here, Debbie. Come inside. All right. They're hiding on that side. Okay, everywhere I go, somebody else goes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we personally and together acknowledge God's saving grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This saving grace, salvation, is God's free gift. It's offered without a price. Through baptism, we are identified with Christ's church and incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. The water symbolizes washing and cleansing, for we're in Christ we are made pure from our sin. See? She liked it, right? The water serves as a sign, as was circumcision in the Old Testament. And Gavin right now is glad that we don't do that in church. Uh-huh. What we do forget, sometimes when they get to be teenagers, we forget that children are a gift from God. Amen? Okay, so children are a gift from God. In Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, Proclaim that sons are a heritage from the Lord, children are a reward from him. As believers, we are called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God. And God in his goodness gives children to parents as gifts. They not only have the awesome responsibility of caring for this gift, but also the wonderful privilege of enjoying the gift. Because children belong to God and are given by his uh, gracious gift to parents, it is only proper that we, and proper and appropriate that we, dedicate or give those children back to the Lord, our God. Debbie? We are told in 1 Samuel 1 that Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. In Luke 2, 22, we read that Mary and Joseph brought their baby to the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him before the Lord. 
In the same way, Becky today brings her son, Gavin Houston Miracle, along with family, Daryl, Chris, Melanie, and Scott, presenting first themselves and ultimately Gavin before the Lord our God. We are here today to recognize as the body of Christ, Gavin being brought by his mother and family to be baptized. As the family of God, we recognize God's love that is already work at work in his life. We pray for the day when Gavin will mature and respond to the saving grace of God, accept in Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord, and pledge himself to a life of faithful discipleship. All right, uh, bow with me for a prayer, if you will. Lord God, uh, look upon your church and unseal for us the fount of baptism. By the power of your Holy Spirit, take this ordinary thing called water, bless it, this gift, and Gavin who receives it, so that through the sacrament, your Holy Spirit will protect and guide him in his journey with Christ. Amen. All right, so I have some questions to ask the King gang here. I feel really old right now, I got to tell you. I think the first time I saw Becky, she was in a little frilly dress about this high, right? Yep. Been a long while since the frilly dresses came out, right? Yesterday. Okay, there we go. All right. And Scott just was like a little terror. You were always wonderful, Melanie. Right. Um, so Becky, Daryl, Chris, Melanie, and Scott, as members of the covenant community of God through your own confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord, will you nurture Gavin in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and lead to a Christian life? If so, say, I do. I do. Okay. All right. Now, they said something. Anybody know what they said? You do? And not that. Okay. What they said, they, what they said I do and they will do is that they said that they would raise Gavin in Christ's holy church. That um, scripture tells us train a child up in the way that they go and they will not depart from it. They will come back. And so it's important, more imperative than ever, that we raise children in the faith. Because guess what? The world wants to raise our children in 10 million different ways. They want to throw everything else at them. And it's, it's harder and harder to connect them to God if we don't instill that into them in their lives. So just as they're responsible for his physical needs, his mental needs and growth, they're also responsible for his spiritual needs that God gave the, uh, Gavin to this family for a purpose. And they said, hey, we are going to raise him in Christ's holy church. That by our teaching, and here's the hardest part, parents and grandparents, example, right? Example. By example, they, that they hope that he will accept God's grace for himself. So now it's your turn. You ready? Your turn. To the covenant community of faith. Debbie, will you take this one since you are the lay leader? To the covenant community of the gathered of faith gathered here, will you surround Gavin before you with a community of love and forgiveness that he may grow in his trust of God? You say, we will. Okay, now what you just said, some of you said it like, we will. Okay, it's really exciting. Um, you should be excited about this. What this says is that we have an environment here called the church and this environment is so that we if they want to raise and they what they said that we are providing an environment for them to be able to raise Gavin in so those of you who are Sunday school teachers rock on you are on the front lines of doing this those of you who are in the nursery right you are the ones who are the beginning formation things uh, that you're putting the formation of the faith that they want to instill in Gavin's life and so that is extremely important. And as a church, together, we look for the day. Like I'm sitting up here and seeing all these guys when they were real little, when I was a young pastor. 
Well, I still am, but now, when I was young, seeing how they've grown into men and women and seeing how they've given their gifts to God, and now we want to go ahead and see that some more. All right? So that's what you said. You said we're going we're gonna to remind ourselves that we, this is why we do what we do. All right? Come here, big guy. Is that good? All right. All right. Gavin, Houston Miracle, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry. Ready? Here we go. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Look. Oh, I'm sorry. Look. Oh, come here. There. Let's see something. All right. There we go. All right. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to you. Yeah, I know. Let the world around me fade away. Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to you. For I desire to worship and obey. Want to take a quick walk? Uh, hey, go. You want to see all the people? I love that tie. Hey, go. See him? Say hi. Everyone say hi back here. All right. We'll take a walk on the other side. Yeah, somebody else wants you. Here we go. Everybody get a good look. There he is. How come he was crying when he was looking at me? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Yes, he's ready, isn't he, Ray? All right. There you go, mom. And mom, as a uh, part of today, um, I know Debbie still needs to sign it. Um, but we have uh, certificates, two of them. We always give two of them, and we have a flower for you. And thank you for being here and for taking this step. And family, we love you. We've known you a couple years, and we, we know that. We know that we just, no matter what, the kids just keep coming in the King family. It's awesome. <laughs> and we love it. So, Scott, you're next, buddy. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's give them a hand. Let me, say, let me pray for them real quick. Lord God, we want to pray specifically for Gavin as we, this is not getting something done and, and we checked it off our list, but this is the beginning of his walk with you. God, whether we are, wherever we are in the theological scale of whether we should baptize infants or not, God, what we're doing is we're just taking it. We joke around here that we have cleaning and dry cleaning because what we want to do is just connect that child to you and let your grace and your love work throughout their lives. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to welcome that back in. I'd also like you to stand and greet the people around you very quickly. And our children can go to our Shoreline Sunday School ministry. Okay. Be good. <laughs> hey, Tommy, we're going to clean off... Can you help me carry that over here? I mean, it's not heavy, but it's...
you a picture because I did a whole bunch of research and I found this stuff and I want you to try it. You can have a seat. Everybody can have a seat. We're going to go through some announcements really quickly. And we're glad that everyone's here today. Hey, if you're here today and you're visiting with us, welcome. Babies just make people go crazy, don't they? You know, we all, we all, want to, we all talk. Wouldn't it be great if we walked up to each other like we're 40 years old and we walk up and go, and how are you doing? You know, wouldn't that be great? Do baby, um, try that this week and people will want to commit you or something. All right, so we do welcome you here. If you're visiting with us today, awesome. We're thrilled that you're here. Hopefully, as you walked in, you received a card. If you did, um, by all means, take it to the back over here. We have a gift for you. Thank you for being here. If you'll fill that card out, and um, we're just glad that you're here to worship with us. First thing I want to tell you, here's the first rule here. Relax. Just have fun. Just have fun. That's what we want to do. We want to connect to God and have fun. Um, take, please take a look at some of the other announcements. If you want to become a member, our men's group is on here, um, an Emmaus alumni meeting after church, Easter lilies, everybody look at me, everybody say Easter lilies, Easter, Easter, lilies. Lilies. Easter lilies, one more time, okay, next week is the last week for Easter lilies, and we don't have a lot yet, um, because I know it's a new announcement with the weather and everything, if you want to have Easter lilies in honor or memory of someone, please go ahead and fill that information out and get that, um, and you can also do it online as well. But we want to make sure that you go ahead and do that. There will probably be a couple reminders that go out about that this week on our Facebook page, um, social media, and um, our website. But we want to make sure that we fill the church um, with them. Dining for Women this Wednesday. Judy, do you have something really quickly? I know you want to say you can go over here to Jill. And um, we'll hit that. Uh, Go ahead, Judy. Okay, I'd like to encourage all you ladies who have never been to Dining for Women to come on out. 6.30 6.30 Wednesday night, bring a dish. We take up a small offering, well, large hopefully, but we take up an offering and give it to a charity. And for all you ladies who've never been, you're really missing out a time of fellowship. And just because it says Mardi Gras, don't let that scare you. We're not going to have crawfish or anything. We might. They were more worried about the beads. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Easter egg hunt. Do you realize we're like three weeks out for me, Easter? Everybody realize that? Easter is early this year. So Easter will be here. Um, Easter egg hunt, Saturday, um, April 4th, right here at 10.30 a.m. Um, if you'd like to donate some plastic Easter eggs and candy, fill them up. It's a great thing to do with kids. Fill them up. Bring them here. And then we'll start collecting those as soon as you, as soon as you can. And Debbie DiVirgilio, who is up here with me, will, uh, will be in charge of that. So you can um, con- contact her. Um, you can see our Holy Week uh, things that are coming up. Uh, Palm slash Passion Sunday is March 29th. Um, G- Good Friday service at 7 on April 3rd. And you can see our Sunday services. We, are, we consider it about maybe not having a sunrise. It won't be freezing cold out there, Fred. We won't, we won't freeze ourselves. as it was Last year was later. We thought it would be warmer. It was freezing cold. Um, but we will have a brief part in there, and I have some other plans that we can journey in here, and we had a good time with that. Youth Confirmation, take a look at those. And um, the Hope Ministry event that we had last week, over 130 people have already listened to the speaker, whether here or online. We challenge you to go ahead and do that. It was a great, um, great turnout in the beginning of many things that we're going to do. Parish Foundation, we're good, um, but we also have April 19th coming up. So uh, it's always great to contribute to the Parish Foundation. And you can see the NARCAM um, training event that we're going to have coming up uh, very soon on April 28th. And you have an insert about that. That's, imp- that's very important. Um, and that does save lives. So really be uh, attentive to coming out for that training. Um, 
besides that, we just welcome you, and we want, just want to honor God uh, more fully as we just give ourselves to him today, okay? So bow your heads with me for prayer. Lord God, we want to lift up today uh, Dawn uh, Fisher um, from back surgery and Susan Basham for her health. Uh, we also want to lift up Celia Farrow, who is in, um, who's in a nursing home in Delaware. We also want to lift up Joe Fleming. Uh, Joe was supposed to have surgery this week, brain surgery this week. Um, however, they postponed it till Tuesday. And God, we just want to look at that as your Holy Spirit being in the midst of everything and interacting in that situation. We pray that when that surgery comes down, that God, you will be very active and, and through that healing process as you already are. For all of us that are here today that seek to connect to you, some people may be here today, God, not even knowing why they're here, questioning whether you even exist in their lives, and that's okay. So God, just be very real to them during this time together. God, for those of us who need you, who we know that you're there, but we just need you to reach out and touch us and connect to us, meet our need where we are. And God, for all other things, we give you praise. For so many things in our lives, we have this feeling of being blessed, this feeling of being full of you, this feeling of enjoying your presence, a feeling of, of just fullness of life as we've been talking about. And so God, as a portion of those many gifts that you've given to us, we return this back. Whether we're watching online and at the click of a mouse, we can go ahead and, and give back to you financially our cheerful gifts to help further your kingdom here. Or whether we're right here right now and we just give a portion back. God, you say that you love a cheerful giver and and that's part of our act of worship. So as we continue this act of worship, let's go ahead, God, and just receive your blessing as you receive ours and multiply it and use it to further your kingdom here and around the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to do a little song for you guys by Fiber Fighting. <laughs> Only this church can be used like that. It's a, it's a cool song. I, I like it because it's, uh, I wasn't even thinking about this uh, baptism this morning. You know, I, mean, I don't know where you are in your life right now and how, how much time has passed for you, but we got a new life today that's got hopefully 100 years to live. Kind of be awesome to, to be able to watch that, but uh, it's, it's amazing how, you know, we, we, uh, we say time flies when you're... Exactly. We say that in a way because it's not fun, right? <laughs> but and like this morning, I was talking about how, like, you know, time is irrelevant where, you know, we think time's flying by and then five minutes we wait for the countdown. That's, that's the eternity. You know, so you just... Uh, I don't know, just, uh, it's all, it's all uh, relevant stuff, you know, like, you know, you, you, you spend the time on things that matter, and just uh, don't spend time wasting time, because 100 years does go by really quickly.
it on the way, babe. A family on my mind. Good morning. Our scripture today is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 6 in the New International Version. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled.
like all their songs. The guy's got a super high voice, though. So that's good. Um, you ever just think about life? Who thinks about life occasionally? Anybody? Um, you ever, I think probably one of the biggest times I thought about life was when I hit 40 or got close, hit that, and started getting things that said um, over the hill. And I was like, oh, that's funny. But then I did the math. And I'm not good at math, but I figured that one out. And, <laughs> and statistically, you are on the other side. Um, the other, how many of you had a, had a snow day with kids uh, the other, in, in the last couple weeks? Anybody just have a snow day and you got to figure out what to do? I was thinking, um, or you just have time at home with your children, with your kids. And I was thinking about this um, while we were home. Um, when we were younger, there wasn't the full video games like, that we had. I think it was like the equivalent of Pong. And for us, it came from Radio Shack, so it might have been wrong, or I don't know what it was called. Um, <laughs> but um, you guys remember, like, when I remember, like, the biggest joy of my life was when Nintendo came out, and I could play um, Super Mario Brothers. But before that time, you had to do something. You had to play board games. Now, some of you probably still play board games. Anybody play board games? Okay, um, my, my mom just said she loves board games. I don't. We'll figure that out with somebody, a counselor sometime. I don't know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things about board games, there were several different kinds of board games we played. One was Trivial Pursuit, the original, and we called those little pieces wedgies. Anybody else call them wedgies? Yeah. Well, that's what we called it. So I don't know. If you, you, you won, you got a wedgie. I don't figure that one out, too. Maybe that's why I don't like board games. Uh, <laughs> but um, so... You, you played that one. Also, there was Monopoly. There was Family Feud, like the real version where you had to play. And I remember my grandmother getting up and jumping down. And it was funny. Um, but one of the games I remember that was my favorite that we played was this game right here called The Game of Life. This is the new package version. Smaller box, but who's played The Game of Life? Anyone? Who has not played The Game of Life? Oh, my gosh. You've lived an unprivileged life. This is fun. Um, anybody like playing this game? It's a fun game. And so in playing the game of life, it's interesting uh, that when I, when I really started thinking about this, I started wondering, when I was thinking back to this in pre- preparing the sermon, how, how do you win the game of life? How do you win the game of life? And I, I looked at some of the directions, and here's some of the things I found. When you have reached the end of the game, you must choose whether to retire to millionaire estates or countryside acres. Now, I don't know that's a, if you don't make a millionaire, it's like a retirement home where they punish you and torture you. I don't know, uh, countryside acres. But if you retire at millionaire estates, you have a chance to receive four additional life tiles if you are the richest person to retire there. At the end of the game, all the players repay their loans, and the player with the most money wins. That's how you win the game of life. He or she who dies with the most toys wins. That's the American dream, amen? That's how we end up having it. Uh, And so that is the good life, dying with the most toys according to the game of life. Now, they also add this in their directions. I'm not lying. It says, sometimes life doesn't work out the way you want to. And that's also true in the game of life. Thank you, was it Milton Bradley or Hasbro? Thank you, Hasbro, for reminding us that things don't work out the way we want them to in life. But, you know, what's interesting, as I look through here, they have different tiles. As you're going around, you see the different tiles, and you land on them. That's what gets to happen. And some of those end up with things like this. You get a wife. You remember these? Let me see if I can get her in here. There she goes. There's my wife. Here, there you go. 
And then, um, but some of the other things that they have here are really interesting. Like they have, the worst thing that you can possibly get in the game of life is maybe get a speeding ticket or a fine. As I, I found out that they should really make this even more so, they should have things, whoops, you lost your job. Or um, maybe they say, uh, go straight to rehab, do not pass go. Or maybe they say, whoops, you got her pregnant. I don't see that one in there. Or guess what? You invested in Enron. There you go. And you have a kid on the way. They don't have these really difficult things in here. It's all like speeding ticket. I don't know about you, but I would really like to take that one. And I was going to fill up the car with all my kids, but it costs too much money in this one. Um, so as we're in the game of life, here we are just cruising along in the game of life. I got my wife right here with me. I got my kids here. Shut up. Be quiet. Um, and we're just cruising down life until we get to the end. And you know what's really great about when you get to the end? You get to get rid of these suckers for some money. You ever played the game? That's what happens at the end of the game. Doesn't work that way in real life, does it? They still cost you money as, as you go through. But here's one of the things that we look about in life. As we look at this, here's some of the other things that it says in the directions. Even if you don't get the salary you want or end up with a car full of kids, you must continue to play by the rules. If you try to cheat your way to success in the game, just as in real life, you will find out that you will probably fail or fall before, fail before you reach the top. And I read that verse and I said, Hasbro, bull! Because as I see it in life, a lot of times those who cheat, rob, steal, claw, they end up getting to retire to millionaire estates. Am I right? And often the ones who do things well don't make it there. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. Here, I'll put my kids back in. There we go, get back in there. Get off the floor, okay? <laughs> Last week, we started talking about what is known as the Beatitudes, or the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And what Jesus begins to do is he tends to pull the pin and lob these grenades of life into a crowd of people to really jolt them in how they're living and to give them this different way to go. Now, he's blowing their minds because as he goes up to this mountain, some of them may have associated it with Moses. And naturally, we have this Moses-Jesus kind of conflict that's going on here. We have Moses who went up to a mountain and gave law. Remember last week we talked about legalism and law versus grace and how we need to have a balance of those things here. And Jesus brings this incredible amount of grace. The Ten Commandments were rules about don't do this, don't do that, because if you, and do do this. Because if you do, life is just better. If you don't pray to rocks that don't do anything for you, it's just better. If you make your wife your wife and somebody else's wife their wife, it just works better. You know what I mean? If you, uh, if you don't, every day when your neighbor comes home, want what they have, life just works better that way. And so that's the do's and don'ts that's given. But Jesus doesn't really give a level of do's and don'ts. He just says something like this. This is how life really works here. This is how life really, really works. And Jesus wants to go into this discussion of how life really works. He said there's a lot of inconsistencies in life. And as I started thinking about this, it's right. I do a lot of funerals, and I've done a lot of funerals in my life. When I, went to, when I was a pastor in Lewis, Delaware, the first year I was there, I had 36 funerals in one year. And um, they were calling me the minister of death. 
because I came in and people were, it was just dropping like, like flies. And as I looked at this, when we go to funerals, we, it, it's different than the game of life. In the game of life, the things that we share are not what we like to share at funerals. For instance, we spend most of our life chasing after things in life, things that make us feel good, things that fill voids. We, we go into what marketing tells us that we need to have and we need to live with. But those are the things that we don't share at funerals. Most funerals I do do not end up really nice like the end of that song, you're 99 and you've got a couple moments left. Most of the funerals I have dealt with in my life have some level of tragedy or loss. I've done funerals for teens that have been killed in horrific car accidents. I've done a funeral for a man who was drowned as, drowned as he was saving his daughter from drowning. A 25-year-old motorcycle accident when he died because he had several burns on his face and hands and ended up with sepsis. A 60-year-old who was the patriarch of the family because his son-in-law was killed by a drunk driver who, had, who went out to eat with the family, had a heart attack down in lower Delaware, and because there were thunderstorms in the area, they couldn't fly to Christiana, and he died on the way to the hospital. A 30-year-old person who dies of an overdose. A two-week-year-old baby dies from complications. Men and women who commit suicide and have no purpose. No matter the circumstance, no one ever says when I sit down to families and talk with them, please share that they worked all the time. Please share that they, they wanted to make the most money as possible. Please share all their, their degrees and that's the most important thing in their life. Please share that they never had any time for family. Please talk about... Uh, the deals they made, the houses they lived in, the cars that they had. No one asked me to share that at funerals. What they want me to share at the funerals, they want to hear about the person that they were, good, bad, or indifferent. Regardless of the stuff they achieved in life, they want to know the type of person that they loved. What Jesus is saying is not, follow these steps and you'll have the good life, but he was saying this better life belongs to a special certain type of person. And you know, when we hear that, that's so different in counterculture to them then and to us today. And we say, that can't be right. But it is. And as we look at last week, there's several things that we looked at. We looked at the Beatitudes and we began to talk about blessedness. And blessedness means makarios, which means full of God, fully and wholly satisfied in God, connected to God, and having life that is full in Him. The better way belongs to to this certain type of person. And let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, where last week we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about several people, the listless and the eluders who are spiritually bankrupt. Then we talked about the hyper-religious or the listers. But what Jesus says to the people then, it's the spiritually poor, the bankrupt, meaning to poor to crouch or cower like a beggar, abject poverty, complete destitution, destitution, unable to help themselves, dependent on the alms of others. And what Jesus says is blessed or full of me are those who recognize they need a savior. Recognize that they need his fullness of life to fill their emptiness in life. It went on to verse four where it says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. In other words, when you are at the end of the rope, God will comfort you. The word comfort actually means to come alongside. 
you know, the, the Lord knows that. And it's really interesting while I was thinking about funerals. I use this verse a lot at funerals. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and it saves the crushed in spirit. God is with you, and he's with you in the fullness of life when you recognize that you're spiritually bankrupt and empty. So today I want to talk about two more Beatitudes. Everybody good? And I want to, I want to talk about that. And I want to start um, with this section from Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And it says, Blessed those who are full of God, full of the Lord, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So let's look at this first one, the meek. The meek. Everybody say meek. Everybody say it again. Say meek. All right. Now, when I hear that, I don't think of Superman. Get off my wife. All right, anyway. um, or is that my kid? I don't know. All right, that's, that's my wife, I think. Um, but when I hear meek, I think of someone with no backbone, somebody who's weak, somebody who's whiny, a, uh, you know, somebody who's a, who's a, a wimpy kind of person. Um, oh, look at that. Oh, imagine that. Dallas Cowboys fans, send it somewhere else. I don't care. Um, let's have a tear in your eye for you this week. Nope, not going to do it. Um, but meek, I always think of weak, don't you? I always hated the terms where they say, little Jesus, meek and mild. Oh, isn't that nice? But when we look at the history of the word and what it really means, it means something completely different. It means strength under control. It's a gentleness, even though you have the ability to have this great, great strength. And it's most often used with horses. Now, not this kind of horse right here that you see that's going to be up here in a second. Not this kind of horse. We all kind of look for these kind of horses. Um, now, that one we do want to see. You have the other one? Okay, there we go. Here we go. Anybody see this? All right. Not that kind of horse. A lot of us think, oh, a little pony. Wake your way downtown. You'll be singing that all day. Um, but we're thinking, but what it means is a thoroughbred horse that has tremendous power. How many of you have been down, how many have been near to horses like this powerful? How many have been down around the rail during a horse race? Anybody? That when they move and they're going around the track it, and they're on the, on the uh, end of the track, when they're getting ready to finish up, it almost sounds like thunder and the ground almost shakes like an earthquake. This is what this term was used for, that the meekness of this individual. Here they have so much strength, you wouldn't take your kid over at the petting zoo and feed these horses because they're so powerful and so strong. But what's interesting is even though they are so strong and so powerful, they are controlled by this little thing known as a bit that is placed in their mouth and controlled by a witty little tiny person on the back of them. This great amount of strength and power is controlled by two little things. And what's interesting is the one who is controlled in their strength often is the one who wins the race. Am I right? Anybody know anything about horse racing? Am I right? Those who are, who are more controlled by this so that they go in a straight direction and, and trust in the one who is riding along with them. Yeah, that's not, a, not an excuse that I'm doing that. That we need to be meek because they are meek because they have a strength under control. And when we go through life and we're controlled by the word of God and God is along with us, 
controlling and guiding where we need to go, then we win the race as meek individuals, not as those who have it all together. When you're meek, you have a tremendous strength under control. You know, one of the, I'll give you another example of this. Uh, at times in my life, I love to get in the floor and wrestle around with my kids. Anybody ever done that, wrestle around with kids? Who's ever done that? Okay, you wrestle around with them. And you know, I have a lot of them. So I've been piled on before. Anybody ever been piled on by the kids? And you know, I could end that at one moment like, wham, chopped to the throat, you're down. I could end this because I have the strength to end it but it's under control so I can work with them. Now, Jacob's getting a little bit stronger, so maybe I will give him a kick and a chop. But you know, you know what I mean? It's strength under control that we have here. Or how many of you have ever tried to put a young child to bed? And you t- put him in bed, you get him all tucked in, like, okay, love you. You get, you get gone, you said prayers and everything. And then you hear, Daddy, Mommy, I need a drink. Does that one work? How many had that one? Or, um, um, yes, I need something. What? I don't know. Go to bed. So you take him back up. Come back down. Go to bed! And at first it's nice and, and pretty, right? And then it's like, Go get in your bed. And then about the 15th time is, go to bed before I rip your limbs out. Good night. Love you. (laughs) You know, what happens at this time, they can set you off. And at times you will say things to get them in there. I have enough strength to put them in the bed. But sometimes... Kids just know what buttons to push. It drives you absolutely batty, and you lose it on them, and you can see at that moment when you crush their spirit. You can crush their spirit with a word, and you can say at that moment, I won. How do you feel, Jack? You feel good now that you crushed their spirit? That's not meekness. That's not meekness. Meekness is strength under control. I know I can get my kids in bed. I know that they're going to try me. When I lose it, I'm no longer meek. I've lost it, completely lost it. Completely lost the connection. Jesus says that they will inherit the earth. For them and the people standing there now, they recognize the land that they're standing on was the promised land that God gave them. And now Jesus is renewing that by saying, it was given to you by God, I opened doors, I knocked down walls, literally, and yet it was taken from you. But when I restore everything, it won't be the ones who know everything. It won't be the ones who do it by force, but it'll be the ones who have strength that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. The meek will inherit the earth. That's not how we think in our world today. In our game of life, we think differently in our game of life. We think, let's step on people, let's rob people, let's let's uh, be conniving, let's do whatever we have to do, let's talk about people behind their back, let's put a foot to the throat when they're down so that he who dies with the most toys wins. We will use anything to get our way. But you will never have this good life that God intended if you do it that way. Jesus is a perfect example of that, as you see in your bulletin in Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he 
was in, it, in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of the servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even to a cross. That term grasp actually means leveraged. Take for oneself. Jesus could have taken eternity at any second and said, boom, I'm not dealing with this anymore. But he didn't. You see, Jesus did not take his strength to use against people, but he took his strength and used it for people. That is meekness. Taking his strength and using it for you and me. Let me ask you this question. How does your strength show up? In what areas of life does your strength show up? Does it show up in loving and helping people, in building others up, or does it show yourself in tearing people down, controlling them, running them over, using and manipulating people? And if that does, then how's that going for you in your life? I think Peter is one of, Simon Peter is one of the greatest examples. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, as we're, we're looking toward in the next couple weeks, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they came, Judas and others came to him, we find something very interesting. That Peter says these words, and you don't have this on your bulletin, but I'm going to read it to you. The people came, and, and Simon Peter took out a sword, and he went, and he went to, to kill the high priest and, and cut his ear off. The high priest's servant, Malchus, cut his ear off. Jesus did one of those really cool things where he picked up an ear and plopped it back on. And he looked at Simon Peter, and he said these words. Put your sword back into its place. For all who live by the sword will perish by the sword. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Do you not think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send to me more than 12 legions of angels? A Roman legion was 6,000 men times 12. I was an English major, I mean a journalism major, an English minor, I don't know math. You figure it out, it's a lot of people, uh, a lot of angels. Jesus had that power at his disposal to call 12, at least 12 legions of angels, and he didn't do it at all. Jesus, throughout his life, healed. He raised the dead. He caused the blind to see. He had demons that were removed. He walked on water, and at this point, he could have called all of heaven down to save him, and yet his meekness stopped because he recognized, I'm going to use my strength not to show who I am, but I'm going to show who I am by restraining my strength because I am the Savior of the world. And he took his strength and used it for people, for you and me, for your salvation and my salvation. That's being meek. And I find it interesting, I do have this in your bulletin, that Peter, I think, recalled this moment several years later in 1 Peter, where he writes this, for to to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow his steps. He committed no sin, Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not uh, threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judged justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You see, Simon Peter understood what meekness was. The controlled life the controlled life doesn't, isn't, and the one that seeks everything in life is not what pans out at funerals. What does is those who share their heart. 
One of my favorite old dead guy preachers is a guy named the Prince of Preachers. His name was Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon stated this another way by saying, the anvil breaks a host of hammers by quietly bearing their blows. Jesus displayed that by being the anvil of the world, that every sin pounded upon him and pounded upon his life. Your sin, my sin. Uh, Jesus took all that upon himself on the cross, every blow upon himself, and broke every single one. Because the meek person lives out their internal nature as poor in spirit. Today we had a baptism, and uh, we're going to be signing up for a baptism uh, in, in a few weeks Um, another type of baptism, immersion baptism. But baptism, according to Scripture, relates to several things. It talks about death, that if if we die in baptism, we die with Christ, and then we're buried, and we are resurrected. The whole symbol of baptism is death and resurrection. And through that, we recognize something very interesting. What we tell ourselves is, I can't fix myself. Look at the person next to you and say, I can't fix me. Tell him, you can't fix you. The only person who can fix you, his name is Jesus. That's why he came and did what he did. I always love um, when we have big guys, real big guys, who come down to get baptized. And when they come down, like one time I remember I was baptizing somebody, helping, and you need like four people, one person to hoof them down from underneath in a scuba gear, you know, and doing that. But one time we had two people, and I went wham like this, and this person was so tall and so big, I started floating out to sea. I was like, Lord, help me. I felt like Simon Peter, Lord, help me here. But I love it because here's this big, massive individual who says, you know what, as big and strong as I am, as no matter what I've got, guess what, I still need to depend on Jesus because I can't fix myself. I can't fix myself. I can't fix that gap. I can't fix that hurt that exists in my life. And I need Jesus. You see, because the other thing that baptism teaches us And the other thing that the Christian life teaches us is this term that we don't like in our world called surrender. Surrender. You see people raising their hands in here. One of the symbols of that is surrender. God, I surrender myself to you. Another sign is like a little kid just raising their hands up and saying, pick me up, lift me up. In other words, have you ever heard people say to you that Christianity is just a crutch for weak people? Anybody ever heard that? Well, guess what? Good. It is a crutch. I don't look at somebody who has broken their leg that is on a crutch and go, you wimp, suck it up. You know, crutches are used for people who have problems walking. They're for people who are crippled. I don't go ahead and take, when my dad sits down who's had problems with his back and his knee, when he goes and has his little rollator or whatever, I don't go, you wuss, come on. Suck it up, walk. Walk. Guess what? The key thing is to recognize that we are all broken and poor in spirit and we need a crutch and his name is Jesus. I can't walk through this life without him. And I need him. And if I think I've got it all together and I think I have everything down, then guess what? I become the listers that Jesus said, don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. It is those who are meek and recognize that we are brokenness. It says several times in scripture, apart from Jesus, you are dead in your sins. Because it's just like, apart from Jesus, it's like being a corpse and saying, get up. You can't. John Piper said it this way. People don't in general think that crutches are bad things. Why does a crutch become a bad thing when it's Christianity? If Christianity is a crutch, then it's only good for cripples. 
And so it is offensive to our self-sufficiency to label Christianity as a crutch. Basically what we're looking at is self-sufficiency and poor in spirit do not match up. C.S. Lewis, who is one of the greatest biblical scholars of all time, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Chronicles of Narnia, said, the change which I most need is to undergo, uh, to undergo is a change in my own direct, voluntary efforts that I cannot bring about. Everything which really needs to be done in our souls can be done only by God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Because internally, we are, we are poor in spirit. Outwardly, we display that poor in spirit by being meek. In Matthew 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. What am I talking about here? What I'm talking about is this. The hungry life for God is the satisfied life. Now, Jesus is talking to people who understood hunger. Now, I'm not talking about like right now, my stomach's growling a little bit. Anybody kind of hungry right now? You want something? I'm talking about like hunger. Like hunger, like, like you see on television. Or thirsty. I mean, my mouth's getting a little bit parched right now. I could use a little drink, but I'm saying like you haven't drank for a while. And you know, uh, righteousness is doing what's right defined by God. Psalm 42 is one of the greatest references that we ever have. But the problem is we've Christianized it. And here's what it says right here. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet God? And you know what? We've messed this verse up. We've Christianized it, and we've placed them in this great woods with this flowing thing, and we sing songs. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after thee. And we put it on a t-shirt or a mug and we sit down and it's got all these things. No, it's talking about an emaciated deer. David says he's in the desert. He's looking and he sees a deer that is dying. It's dying. It's on its last legs and all it needs is just a drink. He said, as the deer is dying without you, so my soul is without you, God. And we need to come to that point in our poverty of spirit to be, have a hunger and a thirst for God that we've never had before. Some of us have lost our appetite for God. We fill it with everything else. We fill it with all this stuff. And guess what? At the end of life, we, don't, we recognize this doesn't make you win. The only way I win is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And hungering and thirsting with him every day. I can have 45 kids and not get rid of one of them. And guess what? I'm definitely going to need Jesus. I can have the greatest job, have the highest prestige, and still be so empty. I don't know what to do. Psalm 63.1 says, Oh God, you are my God, and I earnestly seek, for you, seek you. This is what David wrote. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David recognizes as he was being chased down for his life. And he said, I need you more than anything, God. Blessed are those, it's what he's saying, blessed are those who are desperate for God, who are just absolutely desperate for God. We all have hungers and thirst for things and stuff in life. If you don't believe me, wait till they come out with the latest technology. Anybody still using a black and white television with a tube? All right. But you know, after we have those things, we're left empty, we're left destitute. We have, but with Christ, we have a fullness of life. 
It takes no strength to live the unbridled life. Take a horse and let them run. There's no strength there. They just wander around. Strength is not giving in to what you want, but holding on to what you need. What I recognize in this as we, we conclude the service as the praise worship team comes up is there is a God. I'm going to shock you all here. You ready? There is a God. Say that with me. There is a God. And I'm not him. There is a God and I'm not him. Maybe, just maybe the creator knows. Just maybe the creator knows what you need. You know, because in our life, we get caught up in the wrong hungers, the hungers of the wrong attractions, the wrong intentions, the wrong financial commitments, the wrong distributions. Have you ever recognized, and what's something I found in life, the weakest person in the room is the one who goes off the most. You ever have somebody who just keeps going off all the time? Off the hook? Anybody? You're not hanging around where I am. They just go off. I've had people in church just go off. And you know what? The weakest person in the room is the one who has to go off on people. God confirms his love in us because God wants us to trust him enough to obey him over our questioning. There are so many times in my life where I say, God, why? How? And God's just like, shut up and do what I said. I do that with my kids. I tell them to do something. They say, hey, look, we don't have any even area except for the road. We want to play football on the road. No. Why? It's nice. Let's play football on the road. No, because I don't want you to get hit by a truck. Because when I say things, it's because I have your best interest in mind. And when we look at what God says, parents say no because we want our kids to be better. We want our kids to be safe. One of the things that we need to learn as we close this out today, in Romans, the Apostle Paul said, Romans chapter 7, for I do not understand my own actions. Anybody? Just raise your hand if you relate to this. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, etc., etc. So, but wait a second. So now it's no longer I who do it, but it's that sin that dwells within me. The sin that works in my life tries to destroy me. But I'm not defined by my sin. I'm defined by who God says I am, and I'm his. Amen? Please stand up today. Let's come to the Lord and ask God, are you meek? Where's your strength? How are you utilizing that in your life? Are you hungry and thirsty for the Lord? Do you have a thirst in your life that you say, Lord, I need more of you? I'm like that, that deer. As our Stephen ministers come up right now, to be able to pray with you. I want you to just open your heart and life. Say, God, I'm thirsty. I need something. Have you been filling it with something else? That you need God to move in and, and, and fill it with his praise. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Lord God, as we come here today, we give you praise for who you are. And I want to apologize for me, God, who at times I've become a lister. At times I've become the person who tends to be the most loud and boisterous one in the room. But when I really look at it in my life, God, that I have an emptiness that it can only be filled by you. Help me become meek. 
Help me become trusting of you and help me hunger and thirst for who you are. Because God, I know that you have what's best in my life. I believe there's people here today that have been told year after year after year that, and, and been telling themselves that their sins, those areas where they've fallen away from God, those bad things in life is who they are. But they're not. God, tell them who they are in you. That they're forgiven. And so God, right now, if somebody here today needs to, to know you for the first time, I ask you just where you are to, with every hat, head bowed and eyes closed to just raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I have a gap in my life and I need you. Amen. And for others, for others who may have been on this journey and somewhere along the line, you got caught up. You got caught up in the wave of religion. You got caught up in the rules and the legalism which left you wanting and thirsty and hungry once again. Or you got caught up in grace and someone slapped you across the face. You need that balance and that balance is in the cross. Because every one of us are equal at the foot of the cross. I'm equal in my sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so God, if you're you're that person that just needs a reconnection, that you recognize you have a wall up between you and God, you have a wall up between you and others, God, just, just tell the Lord, I can't do it. I need you to break through this wall, this wall of my hurt heart. Just kind of lift your hand where you are and say, I need it, Lord. And so God, right now, move your presence here for this and every other need. People need physical and spiritual healing. Just let them come forward. For God, we are in the desert of our lives and we need you. In Christ's name, amen. Please come if you want to pray.
church. All of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. All of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. Lift it up to the Lord. All of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice. I will declare God is my victory and he is here. I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice. I will declare God is my victory and When favor and providence flow, I know I'm filled to be emptied again. The seed I've received, I will sow. I love that song, don't you? This is my prayer in the desert. Whether you want to admit it or not, we all have our desert experiences, right? Right? Okay. So whatever that is, we all have our hunger experiences. Fill that with the Lord. Be like David. Oh, my soul thirsts and hungers for you. I want, I, what, what I want to see happen at Haven, more than anything, is people to recapture an appetite for God that the church has lost in many ways. Recapture a hunger for him, that he is your greatest desire. Desire the Lord. And um, we'll, have an, we'll have an awesome time, and we'll inherit the earth and set up with Christ. Amen? All right, next week, next week, um, I want you to go ahead and check. Next week, um, Would You Rather? Anybody ever play that game, Would You Rather? Okay, we're going to play Would You Rather next week. And um, if anybody wants a, a car bed, please see me. Um, but most of all, in a serious note, if you need prayer for healing or um, other means, please, our Stephen ministers will come up to the front and they will be uh, praying and, uh, for you and, and with you. Be praying for Joe. Joe, raise your hand. Tuesday? He's going in Tuesday for surgery. Huh? Who is this? Lauren. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. So we want to pray for them. So, uh, lots, of, lots of things going on. Lauren, yeah, Lauren, pray for you tomorrow. Definitely pray for her. And God has been good already. Amen. Have an awesome week. Say hi to somebody. Are you awesome? Okay. It's only the dead that can live.